Sunday Golds podcast, Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt. Florida State baseball now 18 and 14 on the season, the 13 and 11 in the ACC. They take two of three against the Boston College Eagles. That came at Dick Hauser Stadium. And um, Brett, look, so for Florida State, I think this was a big weekend in which you could not lose the series, and they did not. And then there was some disappointment in the fact that you had a legitimate chance at sweeping Boston College and doing yourself a, a pretty big favor moving into a, a tough portion of your schedule here that's going to include some road tilts and um, obviously a missed opportunity. Um, Brett and I are going to talk about that as well as the Georgia Tech series that's coming up. That's a huge opportunity for the Knowles on the road in Atlanta. That's Russ Chandler Stadium. And then C.J. Van Eyck, former Seminole, was kind enough to join us from, I believe, Dunedin. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, where the Blue Jays facility is. And so um, Van Eyck, one of the best pitchers um, for Florida State this decade, and um, Brett had a chance to talk to him. So there's a lot of good stuff on this episode for you to look forward to. But let's go ahead and start with the weekend matchup against the Eagles. Knowles take two of three. They win Friday's game 10-2. to two. They win Saturday's game 5-1. to one, And then they drop Sunday's game 5-3. to three. Uh, Brett, do you want to dive in game by game, or do you want to give some overall thoughts on the series first? I think we could go game by game to start it. All right, so Florida State, uh, they had just lost to Florida in a heartbreaker, a walk-off by Cali Lau. And I think, you know, having lost, what was it, like four of their last five going into that, the Knowles really were looking for something. And I thought on Friday the Knowles got pretty much the recipe that – they've needed to win games this year. It's Parker Messick giving you a, a really good outing, the bullpen being pretty solid, and then hitting some home runs to uh, put the game away. Yeah, I thought Messick, you know, wasn't his best uh, this season. I also thought he got um, pretty unlucky a few times. Uh, I think he had three of his six hits he gave up were all, uh, I think three of them were infield hits. That never, and I don't think many balls even left the, the infield. Um, you know, the three other hits were doubles, but... Um, you know, he limited the damage for the most part. I think he's given up less than two runs and gone at least five innings in all of his ACC starts. Uh, so that's all you can ask for him. And ERA still at 2.7. Uh, you know, I think Florida State feels pretty good about any game one with Messick on the mound, no matter who they're facing. Um, you know, I thought this was one of the better days offensively for Florida State. Uh, you know, a bit of a slow start. Didn't really have anything going through um, first two innings, I believe it was. And um, you know, Nelly provides you that spark that you need, takes advantage of um, some, you know, I think it was three straight walks by BC. Um, you know, Florida State's up 4-1 after his grand slam, um, and they've only got one hit, or 4 nothing, and they've only got one hit. But then, you know, they really put it on later against the bullpen, like we had said they need to against BC because that bullpen's pretty weak. Um, overall, Florida State has 10 hits, and I believe they also had 10 free passes and only – um, I think I think they also had uh, just seven strikeouts that game. Um, so overall, just a really good game for Florida State. That game one to set the tone for the weekend and um, you know kind of get back on track after a few tough games. Uh, so I just thought that that game um, pretty much went as well as Florida State could have asked for. Uh, you know, just a couple, just a few negatives. Just you know, defense was a bit of a weak spot again and. Um, you know, Reese struggled again and then didn't see the lineup the last couple of days of the week. But um, overall, it was it was a good game one for Florida State. Yeah, you know, I think anytime you win a ball game 10 to 2, it seems like you pitched well. 
Um, you definitely had some offense, and I think Parker Messick, again, I, you know, 105 pitches in five innings. I think, you know, maybe a, not as efficient as he normally is. The strikeouts are always going to be there for him. I think Florida State fans can expect to have free tacos every time he pitches on Friday night. Um, but I also thought, you know, he had a few balls that were hit in the infield, and I thought BC did a good job of trying to be scrappy. It was, a, what was it, a 5-2 to two ball game, like you said, going into the seventh, so... Um, FSU scored 10 runs and nine of them came on homers. So. Yeah, which is what we've been talking about all mm-hmm. year is, is kind of going to be how Florida State is going to have to attack to be successful. I mean, that's just kind of the DNA of this team. I think we've played enough games to know the DNA of Florida State's lineup, and that's going to be one that struggles to hit the ball consistently, um, base hit to base hit. But um, they can really do damage with the bat. They're top 10 in the country, I believe. Uh, safely top 15. I want to say they're top 10 in home runs number one in the ACC, so anytime you have Matt Nelson hitting as many as he is, you're going to be up there. I'll say I think that that first game was probably one of the better games of Elijah Cabell's career at Florida State. I mean, I think he reached base all five times he saw he was in the box. I think he had three walks, two hits. He puts the last one on the board with the double up uh, to center field. I mean, that ball was absolutely ripped. Uh, I think the ball got to center field on a line in about one second, um, you know, they were shading him to left center and he hit it to left center and it went screaming past the center fielder and center fielder and Frelick. So um, just overall really good night for EC. I think he rose his uh, batting average that day to over 270, which if you get that with the Cabell, you're going to take it every time. And, um, you know, good to see Tyler Martin get back on tra- track that night too. You know, a good um, 0-2 left on left um, Grand Slam. That's that's really good to see from him. It really is. Nander, I think, also had a home run. Yeah, he had the solo shot to lead off the fourth, I believe. And he hit it pretty good. Like That, that was, was, that like was not the a deepest che- part of yeah, the park. It's not a cheap home run that he hit. So Nander continues to show you some pop in that bat. I think both of us especially you, I mean, I got to give you the credit where it's due, thought that when he switched to right side only, you got a glimpse of it early in the fall, and you said this is going to be a much more successful season for him at the plate. Uh, Maybe not in terms of average, but he's going to definitely create more consistent hard contact. And I think he has done that. So um, the Knowles scored 10 runs. Messick, I thought, again, gave you a a strong Friday night start. Um, Haney, Scalaro, Anderson, Walker come in and... Um, pretty much shut the door down. They, yeah, they were they were really good, especially Jack. Yeah, I mean, fourteen pitches, three strikeouts. Um, I thought B Walk was good too. You know, gave up a hit and you know gave up a walk, but he just showed the the stuff he has. And you know, was pounding the strike zone. I thought besides the one walk, you know, thirteen strikes and nineteen pitches. So, um, you know, if he can just get the off speed to be more consistent in the zone, I think you'll really start to see B Walk progress. Um, and I think Jonah had a inning ending double play. Um, so just good to see from the bullpen, uh, you know, four scoreless innings is you're always going to take that. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about Saturday. Um, Friday ended up being the most successful FSU's offense looked all weekend. Um, quite honestly, Saturday and Sunday were kind of disappointing at the plate. Uh, however, we do need to mention Boston college's best starters were Saturday and Sunday for them. Um, Mason uh, Paleo, I believe, actually had contact tracing issues uh, with COVID. Um, Paleo is expected to be a, a pretty high draft pick, he, a big kid, right? Like 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", kid who, who can run that fastball up there to 97, 98. So BC actually went with their like midweek guy, Joe Mancini, on Friday, and FSU just obliterated him. 
and uh, Joe Vetrano, the kid they brought in right after. So um, BC uh, has felt like they had some pretty good pitching this season. Um, Paleo hasn't panned out the way that they had hoped, and they, had, they felt like that he would. Um, but BC, I mean, they've got some talent. Like, they've got some kids in that lineup that are pretty good. Sal Fralick is really good at baseball. Um, Brian Dempsey, I think, had nine base hits on the weekend overall against FSU, and he's just like that kid that's been there for five years, and I think he has, like, over 200 career hits, and hundred. I think he made it, like, his 153rd consecutive start. Like, he's gone 153 games without missing one at BC. That's impressive to me, if you think about just the longevity and, and being able to stay healthy that many times in a row to get in a lineup. But he killed Florida State. Um, the uh, Bryant, uh, excuse me, the Cody Morissette kid is really talented. He didn't do a whole lot this weekend against FSU, but um, it's, a, it's a good BC lineup that didn't even have uh, Luke Gold, by the way, their best power hitter who got scratched from the lineup five minutes or yeah. ten minutes before open, uh, first pitch on Friday. They really didn't have most of their three of their best Four players for the whole for the whole weekend. I mean, Morissette only played really a game. Came out early in that first game and played all Sunday, but couldn't play the field. Um, you know, Gold was scratched right before that first game and then never saw the field the whole weekend. And, um, you know, Pelio's a guy that threw seven shutout innings against Florida State two years ago. So um, this felt like a weekend where Florida State really needed to capitalize in a sweep, and they just couldn't get it done. But, you know, the only reason they had a chance for a sweep is Saturday, and I think we're about to dive into Saturday. Yeah, so Florida State wins this one 5-1. to one. Uh, Boston College comes out early, and they're able to scratch a run. I thought Sal Fralick, again, like I said, that's a first-round pick. Um, he is playing himself, apparently, into like the top 20, uh, maybe even top 15 of the draft because of um, – Brett, you saw it all weekend. He's got plus speed. He covers well in center. Um, he's versatile, can play second base. He's really – I mean, he's got great barrel control. Like, for a kid who's only, like, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, people have compared him to, like, a Ben Zobris type of player. And um, he singled uh, to start the game against Bryce Hubbard. And then Dempsey doubled down the right field line. I actually was very impressed with Bryce um, in the way that he rebounded uh, in this inning because he does end up – the well, one-run scores, it's unearned due to the pass ball. Uh, I don't know. Did you agree with that? Did you think it was a pass ball on Nelly? Or did you think it was a wild pitch? I don't know. I didn't really get a great look at it, but um, I thought it was, you know, he was a bit wild there early on, and Nelly had already blocked a few balls. Um, you know, I'd probably go wild pitch, but just overall, I mean, that's a really good bounce back from Bryce, and it's not something you'd probably see from him last year. Just you'd probably see him kind of unravel, and I um, mean, you know, he was really able to compose himself and battle back and battle through the outing, and, you know, he had the stuff was back. I mean, 8Ks, fastball was. Um, down a bit in velocity, but the curveball was the best it's been all year, really. Um, seemed to be a little bit firmer. Um, you know, really being able to land it down in the zone and get swing, swings and misses over and over again. Um, you know, when the curveball is going for him, he doesn't really – I mean, he can get both righties and lefties out because of the, you know, the, the you know north and south of that curveball. It's not one of those side, side to side, really. It, it makes it really hard on both sides of the plate. Um yeah, I mean, he just doesn't give up much contact, and that happens. And they gave up two hits in that first inning and gave up two the rest of the day. Um, you know, still three walks, but I thought he was pretty much in the zone for the most part. Uh, I mean, ERA back down under four. You know, five and two-thirds, no earned runs. Uh, I think he had, a, you know, I think it was a swinging and bunt single that ended his day, I believe, in that fifth inning, or I mean the sixth inning, and he, um, you know, bad throw down to first. But other than that, I thought he was really good. Just, you know, when he stays away from that home run ball, he's going to, um, give you give you some good outings. Yeah, no doubt. I thought, you know, that first inning, striking out the side, 
um, was was huge for him. And and we've always known, like, and and we've talked about it. Bryce is very much an emotional pitcher, in that if he can calm himself down quickly, he usually is able to go back out there and and kind of buckle down and do what you need. Um, yeah, I thought the the fourth inning was a good example of him showing you know the the growth from last year where he gives up a leadoff double and then the runner moves over in a sack on a sack bunt but then he gets you know the timely strikeout that he needs to get and that you know veteran pitchers sort of are able to go to when they need it and um you know strands that runner there and it kind of opens up fc's offense to do what they need to do um you know i think florida state hadn't had a hit again through three innings um you know i think it was tyler and Lacey, that walk before Nelly, I mean, it's just kind of the same story writing itself over and over again for Florida State. Um, Nelly comes through with a two-strike fastball. I mean, just just deposits right off the board. Um, just a line shot, 15th of the year. Um, you know, I think on the day, a sack fly later than the day, tied him for the lead in RBI, and he had the lead in homers. Um, yeah, it, it's Matthew Nelson's world, and we're all just living in it right now, really. Um, I think he threw out another runner that day, too, later in the game, or to help Bryce out. Uh, it's one of his last couple innings. Um, just there's not really enough words that you can say about Matthew Nelson right now and what he's doing for this team. There's always that moment I think in a kid's career where they know they're good. You know, like it clicks. Like it's Matt Nelson's always been confident. Let's not sit here and say that. You know, it's just kind of like, is this really happening again? Like that's what it kind of felt like on Saturday. Like it's just like it almost felt like is BC going to walk him when there's not even a base open? They did on Sunday. At one point, I mean, I'm saying like even when there was runners on first and second, like, no, you're right. And he, like I said, though, there's always that moment in a kid's career where like he knows like the the confidence meets the work ethic and Matt, Matt Nelson's there. Like it's, he's going to make a lot of money. y'all. like that's, that's going to be a, one of the top catchers taken in the draft. He's earned it. He's worked hard for it. And uh, if I'm an FSU fan right now, I enjoy the rest of Matt Nelson's career in the garden and gold because it's, it's coming down to an end. Um, and I mean that in the most positive of ways because he's about to go and make Seminole fans proud, I think, eventually at the next level. And I think I, I appreciate you bringing up the defense because I think for me, that's the area that I thought Nelson needed to work the most on was defensively. Yeah, he has some lapses, I think, at times behind the dish. Um, but as many times as the ball has been thrown into the dirt by Seminole pitching, um, he has done an admirable job of blocking. He is starting to show you that that arm is the real deal. Um, he's thrown out, I think, like over 45% of would-be base stealers. That's an elite clip. Um, that's like Buster Posey territory in terms of defense. Um, and then what he's done with the power, like, folks, we compared it to Posey, and uh, I know Meat, Meat said I'd hate to compare it to Posey, but it kind of has that feel of a dominating type of season. Folks, Buster Posey did that with old bats. Like, Buster Posey hit 26 home runs with what we call the uh, trampoline bats. And I would love to know what Matt Nelson would be doing with the 2008 version of those baseball bats because he would be he'd be entering you'd be entering that Buster Posey realm of number of homers. So I'm just giving you the context because I want I mean, you to enjoy. He's, he's about to enjoy it. He's about to tie. He's one off Mendoza's uh, record of 16 with the new bats, and I mean we're what 30 games and he's 30 starts into the season. He's probably got 30 more games to yeah. play with postseason. So. Um, yeah, man, this has been fun, and it's fun once you get to, like, you know, you meet his parents, and then you start chatting them up, and you learn about him, the person, a little bit more, and, and I've had the pleasure of getting to talk to Matt, you know, for a few years now, um, and you're just happy for the kid because he, he loves baseball, whereas I think everybody at Florida State who's on the team likes the game of baseball, obviously, but there are some kids who, like, breathe the sport, right? Like, 
Matt Nelson was giving me a conversation once, I think a couple weeks ago about like Christian Scott at UF and like South Carolina and Vandy and, and all these different games. And it's like Matt Nelson pays attention to like baseball at the MLB level, at the college level. Um, and those are like, you know, they're the equivalent of gym rats, in my opinion, uh, for basketball. When you call them the, the kids always at the park, uh, Meat, Meat gave you the best compliment and said he doesn't deviate away from his routine. Like he gets up around the same time every morning. He tries to eat the same, um, stay consistent in his habits. And he compared him to, to Buster and, and Sean Gilmartin in that aspect. So um, I think you're going to say something along the lines of, I can't believe he's not on the Golden Spikes Award watch list. I got no comment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he hits you another big time home run. I think it was a three run shot. You said in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, and that I, kind of. I thought a, I thought a big piece of this game was, um, you know, it wasn't a ton. But Florida State got contributions from everybody in that bottom third. Um, you know, Mathis is inserted for Reese. Um, he has a single to lead off the fifth. I think. Um, DeSantis had a double down third baseline following him. Leads to a run coming in on a Tyler Martin sack fly. Um, you know, Jackson Green has a single as well in the seventh inning. He comes around to score on a Nelson sack fly. Um, so when you get two runs from those guys in the bottom of the order, I mean, that, that really helps Florida State. And, um, you know, that's going to help. When Florida State gets help from that bottom third of the order, they're going to win a lot of games. Um, and then the bullpen was just lights out again. Um, Hunter Purdue in that last inning was really fun to watch. Yeah, Hunter decided, uh, Hunter realized, you know, my fastball's touching 97 today. Let's, uh, yeah. I, did I see an eight? I think I saw an eight at one I point. I was told he was 95, 96, top 98. I okay. mean, not top 97. 97, okay. Um, you know, Anderson makes good quick work again in a high leverage spot. Can you talk about um, him for a second? Yeah, uh, Jack did. Anderson could end up being the most important piece to this pitching staff going down the stretch of the season, my opinion. Florida State's still trying – they still don't know. They don't have defined roles in the bullpen. Uh, Meet admitted that on after this game, I believe it was. Just said this might go – we might take this to the end, very end of the season until we know exactly what we want to do. And I think that just has to do with the fact they have so many guys. Um, they have so many options and so many guys that can do different things. But Jack Anderson's got to be a high leverage arm. He's got to be – it doesn't have to be an automatic – Chase Haney or Davis Hare anymore from the right side. Florida State's got options. Um, yeah, the bullpen management, it just has to be a little more spontaneous. Diverse. Than, rather than just drawn up before the game. It, it can't, it's got to be more, I don't really know. Yeah, like diverse, like you said. It's just, my thing is like once you get into a, a regional or a super regional play, if you give teams chance after chance after chance to see the same relievers over and over again, they're going to hit them. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is. Um, you know, hitters, are, once they see relievers a certain amount of times, they're going to be able to hit. Um, you know, Florida State, I mean, we haven't seen Tyler Ahern in weeks. Where has he been? And Tyler Ahern has some of the best stuff on this entire staff. I mean, and he's a senior. I mean, there's – and the thing is, guys – you got to have guys more than just three or four guys with experience when it comes to postseason play because you're going to have to go deeper. That's just, you're just going to have to. And there's no options. I mean, you've got to have young guys with experience. You've, you can't just rely on the guys that have been here for a while. And Florida State doesn't have to. The way they have, it seems like they have to, but there is depth there. The, the bullpen does not need to be shortened. Hunter Purdue, Jack Anderson, Tyler Ahern, Brandon Walker, Ross Dunn, Wyatt Crowell. 
Um, you know, there, there's just so many arms there that can be used and should be used moving forward. I know we're in this part of the season where every game means a lot in conference play, but there are opportunities to say, go get one batter. Show us what you can do. We don't have to throw. Chase Haney's thrown in eight straight games now. Is that really necessary? I don't think so. I know. I agree with you. I not think. that Chase isn't throwing the ball well, he but is. it's just He's like, is, okay. is it like, are these guys not going to be burnt out by the end of the season? No, I think, I think Haney's been, been really good. And honestly, until that Haney gave up the Sunday, game. yeah, Haney, Haney gave up a run on, uh, on the Sunday game before that I can count it out for you right here. It was one, two, three, four. Okay. It's like 10. It's almost like 10 appearances without giving up a run. A lot of those are like one out, though. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the point is like he's come out, yeah, he's done, he's his, done job. his job. But it's like my thing is not like performance. It's like right now. It's like a. It's like a. What is going to happen come postseason player? These guys going to be. Well, we saw it with Jonah a couple of years ago, I think, where it was kind of like. By the end of the season, he was just burnt out. It wasn't that his he was bad. It was just he was. I mean, he just couldn't throw because he was so burnt out. And, and you know, I know Chase is you know the quote unquote rubber arm, but. It gets to a certain point where I don't know if you can. I mean, it gets to a certain point where a guy just has to start feeling it. You, you have to start. I mean, Davis Harris got 16 appearances. Jonah's got 18. Um, I think Clayton has 14. Um, yeah, all these guys are just throwing. I mean, it seems like an. It's just when you look down to the bullpen, you kind of know who's going to be throwing. I am really confused as to why Tyler Ahern has not seen action since April 3rd. And he's been down there in the bullpen. Like I'm. And he throws 90. He throws 96 miles an hour. Like, with all due respect to, like, Kwiatkowski and Scalaro and Haney, that's a different level of talent that you're not using, right? Like, wouldn't you want to throw, throw guys that are if – they're, if they're commanding their stuff, don't you want a kid in there with a 95-mile-hour the fastball? Thing is, the weird thing is I think the last time Ahern threw, he threw the ball well, and I'm pretty sure I asked – or somebody asked Meat about him, and basically Meat had said – Tyler Ahern has to be a big part of our bullpen for us to be able to be where we want to go. Well, we haven't seen him since April 3rd. Yeah. Against UNC. April, yeah. Two innings, a hit. First. I think he gave up a hit. Pretty sure we've played seven games since then. Let's see. No runs, a couple walks, no strikeouts. Did have a wild pitch. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If, if it's not injury-related, then I have no idea um, why he's not throwing. And look, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you like the guys that they're throwing aren't doing a solid job. They really are. But the point is that there's a lot of guys that can do a solid job, right? Not but just. Yeah, the I just want to make sure that we're pointing yes. that out. That like we're not saying Clayton and Jonah and Chase and Davis haven't been getting the job done because they have. I just think we're starting to see some signs that maybe as the season progresses, if like you said, if you give an opposing team that many looks at these kids, they're going to hit them eventually. Look how Florida State's pitching bullpen has struggled on Sundays recently. And Florida State has struggled on Sundays all year because, you know, once you get to that third game, you're having the same guys throw over and over again. And you would agree with me, right, that those guys, maybe uh, Davis Hare maybe being the exclusion. And, and even then, that's like fringe for me. The other three, I think their strengths come in the element of surprise, right? Like being able to fool you once or twice through an order at most. 
once you see them again, like Kwiatkowski, Scalaro, and Haney are not going to blow anything special by you. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing there. So, like, this is going to be a very extreme example, right? Like, you could run out Mariano Rivera, and, like, the stuff's just so good that, like, I, you could see him three times, and it's like, well, I don't care how many times you've seen Mariano Rivera. The stuff's that good. Whereas there are other pitchers, and it's like, okay, Haney's funky when you see him once, Right? Kwiatkowski, this, the curveball is pretty good when you see him once. Jonah, it's a big curveball if you see it once, right? It can confuse you for one at bat. But even Hare is a is a two pitch pitcher. It's not. Well, that's what like, I'm saying. It was fringe for me. Like yeah. his stuff, though, fastball can get up to 94, 95, and the splitter when it's on, like that's legitimately good stuff. Um, but the other three, like they're not going to surprise you the second time that they see you, um, and that's why I agree with you in that the diversity probably needs to increase for the usage of this bullpen. Especially, like, if you can figure out Hunter Purdue, that might be uh, an ace up your sleeve because I mean, that's, I mean, that's stuff that you don't just see in college. I mean, B-Walk's got 95-plus. Ross Dunn has 95-plus. And they've got to get those guys more involved. Well has 95-plus. I agree with Purdue you. has 95-plus. I'm with you. Carson Montgomery has 95-plus. When you're not playing a whole lot of midweek games, you don't have to – I mean, like – if you don't have a midweek game, you don't have to save him. Like, why Why can Montgomery not throw on the weekend? 100% with you. And I think, like, if I can pull this back up, uh, I lost my spot um, on, my, on my laptop. But let me give you an example. Uh, the game is 10 to 2, right, on, on Friday? Mm-hmm. Why is Jack Anderson in the ballgame? I mean, that... I mean, just, just, just in terms of you just said... You just said midweeks. We're not having as many midweeks. That is a midweek type of spot where it's like if you're trying people out on a midweek, why are you in a ball game that's 10 to 2 or, you know, 9 to 2? It's over, essentially. Why is, well, my why is, is like Scalaro Anderson throwing? Here's my, here's my Where's thing. Ross Dunn? Here's my thing. It was, the thing is, it was 5 to 2. Until the, until until the, the, two, until the two out grand slam. Okay. So Anderson was coming in. I understand that. But my thing is, once the Grand Slam is hit, I mean, it's 9-2. to two. Start warming up somebody else. Bring in Anderson for an out. Put in your young guys. Because Anderson ended Fair. up being unavailable on Sunday because he threw on both Friday and Saturday. If he'd only thrown to one guy on Friday, you've probably seen him on Sunday. So, I mean... I understand it. I understand him getting out there at least. At first, I was like, what is going on? But then I looked, but I went back and saw the timing. I believe Lacey struck out on three pitches, and it was like it was like a bang-bang thing. But like, you've got to be able to readjust and get other people. I mean, you throw an Andrew Armstrong out there. Throw, you know, like you said, Montgomery out there. Throw B-Walk out there. Throw Dunn out there. I mean, I understand Quell because he's, he's in the lineup, but get other guys out there. Just when you've got the chances, you've got to do it. Why didn't Ahern throw the ninth over Walker? I'm fine. I mean, I like B-Walk. I, I do, I want I do too, but I it's B-Walk like... I want to get as much work as possible. Agreed, but like Anderson hasn't gotten any work since April 3rd. You mean Ahern? Yeah. What'd I say? Anderson. Sorry, Tyler Ahern. Ahern hasn't gotten any work since April 3rd. So to me, it's like... I don't know. I don't want to question the staff. I think they've done a really good job um, with the pitching for the most part. It's just, I think, trying to prognosticate the end of the season, we've just seen it time and time again where it's like, especially under 11, you know, the same three guys were throwing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> granted, this staff is a lot more talented than 
than the ones that, that Eleven that's, had. But we'll that, see. That's why it can't be the three or four guys because it is so talented. So why waste the talent? Don't waste Agreed. the talent. Heard. Don't waste. Hunter Purdue is not going to be here next year. I don't think Tyler Ahern is going to be here next year. You know, these guys are, are going to be drafted. So use them while they're here. Heard. Heard you there, man. Well, all right. So the Knowles did win 5-1 to one on um, Saturday. Uh, Emmett Sheehan was really good for Boston College. He had been really good for them, and he was pretty gross. I thought, you know, Nelly obviously was the one who got to him and, and provided you – what would end up being the difference in this ball game? So, so good for the Knowles. They pitch well. They got the big hit via the home run. And then let's talk Sunday. Um, after only having what six a long hits, day. yeah, six hits on Saturday. The Knowles only get four hits on Sunday. And you know, Stiegler and Walsh, who pitch for Boston College, somehow nine walks. Walsh nine walks. Walsh walked. Four, I mean, he walked six guys in four innings, and the Florida State got one run. And he got three runs total the whole day. Stiegler's stuff, I called that game. Let me, let me give you Florida State. Stiegler's stuff was not impressive. Let me, uh, no, not, no. None of their, besides Sheehan, none, every single guy on that staff, was it, the stuff was not impressive. Just not to hate on BC, but. I'm not hating. Pelio, We're like just being realistic. Like yeah, it wasn't, they just not, don't have good stuff. And their numbers great. show it, too. I mean, but Florida State's numbers on, on um, Sunday, 4 for 30 overall, 0 for 9 with two outs, 2 for 14 with runners on, um, 1 for 4 with runners on third and less than two outs, 1 for 4 with bases loaded, and only moved runners over um, in 38% of opportunities. Florida State cannot hit against left-handed pitchers. They were 1 for 14 against Walsh, who walked six guys. And I think, you know, part of that, is just like the reliance on your best hitters in that lineup, yeah. Nelly aside. You know, you're, you're pretty typically lenient on Tyler Martin to get on base somehow. Um, I know Robbie Martin's numbers have been pretty good against lefties this season. Um, did he go? No, his home run was against the righty Stiegler. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it would have yeah, taken, taken Florida Reese, State. Reese hasn't been able to hit anyone, but lefties especially have been tough on him. It would have taken Florida State two ground outs to have this game go to extras or win it. Yeah, let's it talk not about even would have taken let's talk the hits. situations. So you, you know you mentioned it was a long day. For those of you who didn't get a chance to to watch Sunday, it was a miserable day in Tallahassee. It was rainy. There was lightning around. Um, not a whole lot of rain at the ballpark. There was at times, but there was just this annoying lightning that kept staying within I think it's like the eight mile radius that you have to ha- that, that you have to pause play at. So the game doesn't even start until three thirty. You have a two-and-a-half-hour delay before we can even have the first pitch. Boston College has a charter plane. Um, and, and those of you, the difference between a charter plane and a commercial plane, charter is just another way of saying uh, private. Uh, it's, it's on your own time. Um, you don't have to fly Delta and go to the airport and, and have a set time. You can actually leave whenever, and usually those plane flights are a tad bit quicker. And uh, a lot of college programs who have the money are able, you know, like a Power Five, are able to, to fly charters. So BC did that. They, they're up two to nothing on Connor Grady. Florida State gets the home run um, to make it two to two. And we get another rain delay, right? Like in the fifth, right well, after the fifth. So they got up two, no, two to nothing on a complete slot fest from Florida State. Yeah, because Crowell's in center. The rain starts and just Florida State's defense starts to crumble. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Baldelli lines up all to center field. It's probably a hit. It is a hit. No, it's for a hit. Him. It's a hit. Crowell, Crowell tries dives. to make a diving yeah. attempt at it. Um, you know, I kind, I kind of kept saying, "Sorry, Siri wanted to get a word in." <laughs> I kept saying, "You know, don't dive, don't dive, just let it drop, just let it drop." He dives, doesn't really come close, goes for a triple. Um, you know, they end up scoring on a on a grounder to Nander, um, which is a productive out for stays playing back. He'll take it, you'll take the out, but Desaitis does just can't handle the grounder. So he gets on. Next hitter, sack bunts. Um, you know, Lacey comes up, makes a play. Nobody covers third base. Um, that's Tasatis' bag 10 out of 10 times. You just, it's just it's just stuff that you just you learn in high school. Someone, Tasatis or Nelson's got to be there. Somebody's got to be there. It's not – it's almost stuff you learn when you start travel ball. I mean, this is – I mean, it's, the, it's just – it's easy stuff. It, it can't happen. Um, and then – you know, he's coming around and scores on another productive ground out, which goes right off Tyler Martin's glove, and he, he ends up being able to score. I mean, not score. He gets on base to make it a two. I mean, it, it was just a complete it – it was a disaster of an inning defensively. It just – it couldn't have been any worse. Yeah, and that's where – It was physical and it was mental. That was the issue for me. I don't really care about physical errors, but it's the mental ones that get me. It's like you, you just don't dive at that ball – cover the base, and it's probably maybe a one-run inning. The problem is, too, Brett, if you're going to have the style of offense that Florida State has pretty much settled into and you're not going to have games where you're going to all the time score eight or nine and say, you know, you scored three, with this pitching staff, three can be enough to win some ball games. Obviously, you want more runs, but three can be enough. Granted, your defense better be able to support your pitching. And I thought Connor Grady was let down by his defense. I thought Connor was great. Here's here, my thing is Florida State's got a formula to win. It's 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 homers. You know, the offense is gonna homer, but it's gonna strike out. Right. You're not really gonna produce a ton of runs. You're gonna power yourself to runs. There are there's MLB teams that win that way, but they win that way because they have clean defense and they have enough. Uh, you know, if you don't have that clean defense, you, you don't have a wide margin and you re, you're going to rely too much. So when you don't get the productive ounce like Florida State can't get, um, they can't lay, lay, they can't lay down bunts. No, they uh, cannot. They can't steal bases. They can't, you know, get these productive ounce. It's it's going to make it really tough for them to win. There's ways for them to win. And it's a reason why they could be really dangerous later on. But the defense makes it really hard. It's just you got to play clean if you're going to have this sort of mindset and that's how you're going to win. So I think you've really got to start to play for defense. You've got to have your best defenders in there behind your power bats. That's how it's got to – I think that's, that's the way they've got to go now. Spot on. Um, yeah. The thing is, like, when you play the way FSU is going to have to play, you have a less margin for error, a smaller margin for error. And I thought F- FSU gave the game away on – on Sunday, it like it was just like completely sloppy. So many times they have, it's, and it, it seems like Sundays, right? Florida State's one in four in Sunday golds at home in ACC play. And, you know, they lost that game, that close game to Virginia, where they had the bases loaded twice, I believe, in two of the last three innings and did nothing with it. They had that Wake Forest game where they scored ten runs but lose, I think. Um, I'm trying to think what the other one was. Um, you know, they also they lose this one. Um, can't remember right now what the other. Did one you mention was. Pitt? No, Pitt, where they go 
They blow, I think, a three-run lead. Four run, going, seven, no, four-run lead. Seven to three. Going to extra innings and lose. The, uh, there have been some excruciating four, losses on that's, Sundays. Yeah. That's four games right there alone, where if you win them, I mean, it's a completely different season. And let's not talk about the Sunday game at Louisville where you went to the sixth inning, you and, felt really good about and it, and it just crumbled. Every single game is you beat yourself. It is not that you were beaten. It is you beat yourself. Yeah. And so I think one of the things we do have to mention is um, Reese Albert's probably going to need to get back in there in center field. Uh, I think, yeah, the average is horrible. I mean, it's 172, but I think what you just said you, to you, a T fits what why you need him back in you there. You take Reese's defense. And, and you, you take the occasional Reese, run in to a home run. And you hope that Reese gets back to what he once was, or at least at least some sort of that. But say Reese hits like take, three take, more home runs all year. You right? take Reese's you take walks. That. You take that that power like you're talking about. Um, you hope Reese just does little things for you. I mean, you just hope he brings that leadership back to the lineup. And I, I mean, Florida State's. I mean, it, it's not like you're going to get worse because Florida State's bottom six in the order on Sunday were 0 for 18. Well, forget the the bat. I mean, I, I think Reese. I have a hunch that Reese will figure it out at some point, and there will be a run for him where he has like a, a weekend or two where he's hot. Defensively. The the alternative, oh my gosh! Like, Wyatt Crowell's been awesome at the plate. The thing is, I've Wyatt enjoyed Crowell watching him. Has not practiced much in the outfield. Right, right. I have enjoyed watching him. You know, come to the plate and and have that. Uh, didn't he have like a career high hits on on Friday? He had three for four. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's a good story. He is not the answer in center field. The thing is, then have him as a you could have him as a pinch hitter or your DH. I but mean, the ball ball deli hit right to center. Reese probably makes a better play on that. And then there's a ball into the gap later in the game that I know it was wet conditions, but Crowell like dropped the ball running to it and it got away from him. And what should have been a single ended up being a double. I can't remember if that guy came home to score. I think he did. It might've been the fifth or the sixth inning in which uh, the run ended up scoring. I believe it was the fifth. Yeah. And it's like, if you hold him to a single, it changes just about everything. And it's, it goes back to that if you're going to be a team like Florida State has to be where it's going to have to be pitching and, and your best possible defense and hope that you run into some to some uh, long balls, then you're going to need Reese Albert back in there. So. I think, you know, the biggest positive from this game is obviously Robbie. And, um, you know, he has that opposite field two-run homer like you talked about. And that was just – that's Robbie's natural swing. I mean, going off the scoreboard right there, um, seventh homer of the year, really starting to see that power start to play. Like, we – Expected it to. Um, another really good thing about this game was Nelly's defense. I mean, throws out two runners. I believe one of them was a sub-two pop time. Um, that's really good. The other one was a, you know, blocks a ball in the dirt and then guns out South Relic by a pretty good bit. South Relic's one of the fastest players in the country. Um, so that's no – I mean, that's not anything slight. But um, these opportunities on, on the, at, the base, at, at the plate, it's just – you can't win when you do these things, man. Like, you got – Fifth inning, you get runners in second and third, no outs after two walks and a loud pitch. So BC is handing you, is handing you something, is literally giving it to you. Um, Vince Smith works a three-one count, then swings through um, two pitches. And then one of them was probably was a ball. I think that might be the last of Vince Smith uh, in the starting lineup for a minute. Tyler in my Ma opinion, Tyler Martin pops up. I know a lot of people said that Meat should have sent the runner. Um, in my opinion. Garrett Mathis is probably the slowest player on this team, so I can understand why he didn't. Um, hindsight probably would have scored just because the throw was bad, but, I mean, hindsight. Um, and then 
Uh, you know, after an intentional walk, Robbie grounds out. You know, nothing Robbie can do there. That's just a situation he can, he's put in. But, um, you know, more of the same in the seventh inning. Uh, you know, I think it's bases loaded, one out. Nelly cuts the lead to one. He gets on a single, but then Robbie pops up and Eliza strikes out. Um, you know, that's the heart of your order right there. Um, FSU is not going to win these close games if they don't get productive outs. Like, productive outs needs to be the name of the game for this team, and I think it's probably what Meat has worked on this week in practice. It's, it's a bunch have probably been worked on a lot. Um, you know, a lot of I know a lot of people say this team probably does not practice bunting. I've seen it firsthand in person every day of fall, fall and spring before they did anything else, before they got into live scrimmages. They bunted for periods of about 30 minutes. They do it before every single game. This is just a player performance in game, not getting a bunt down. I don't really know what else to say about it. It is painful to watch. But this, ugh, it's just frustrating. These, you just, you've got to be able to put teams away and you've got to be able to. Sweep teams when they're giving it to you. I mean, they were giving it to Florida State this weekend. Second and third and nobody out has to turn into at least one run. Has it to. takes two ground outs to make that two runs. It doesn't matter. It takes a sack fly to just get one of them. Like, like just, you have got to find a way. And really, the dude was giving Vince a free pass. Another one. And Vince swung it ball four twice. Um, and then you saw Meat kind of did the, you know, Meat does that where so he got pulled. I mean, Smith got pulled twice out of three games this week, which is why, like, here's the thing: I, I like I like Vince Smith I was a lot. About to say, I, I was about to say, and I want to say that term, I, I like him a lot. No, Vince Smith, I think, has upside as a hitter that's going to be really fun to watch. I've seen it multiple times this season. Like, he has, you know, I've gotten a chance to call a couple of his home runs. Like, he has some sneaky pop in that bat. He has a moxie about him. I think he has a baseball savviness to him too that. I'm going to love watching Vince Smith play at Florida State for a few years. Um, right now, though, with what we've already talked about, with what FSU's identity is probably going to have to shape into, and that's elite starting pitching, um, a very good bullpen, and um, the occasional – well, not even the occasional. They're doing it pretty frequently. Hitting a long ball to kind of give you that offensive burst and that, that, that boost, you're going to need as solid of a defense as you can get. And you know what? As much as Jackson Green has struggled at the plate, he has been phenomenal defensively at second. Like, he's making plays at second, and I'm like, that's big league. The ability to, to, to be able to get the force out at second on a play that's tough. He hasn't made an error in 69 chances. Well, knock on that's wood nice. until you jinx that. But Jackson Green has been solid. And him and, I think, Nander, you know, uh, Nander's struggling at short right now. Um, I don't know. You said since his injury, he came back. I just back think he and looks just, uncomfortable since he came back from his injury. And it's both. It's, it's throwing it and it's, it's fielding. It's both. It's been completely different since he came back. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's tough. It's really starting to become a concern. Like it, it's. But it's, you just don't have anybody else to put there. No, Nander's period. your shortstop. It's yeah. pretty simple. But um, Tyler Martin at first has really struggled. You know, I think we've talked about is this the chance for Dylan Simmons to get in there? My th uh, my th my, one, my thing about second base is. Give somebody else a chance for one weekend and see what they can do. And then if they can't do anything, then who are your first two choices? Jackson, though? Are you going Romano? First of all, I'd probably go. I'd like to see Richie Morales in there. Ryan Romano, I think you know what you can get from him. I think you get a good glove from him. Um, some quality at bats, but still not much production at the plate. I mean, I think he's hitting under 200. Um, you know, Richie Morales is the one guy there that hasn't gotten a chance yet. And I mean, what are you going to lose by giving him a chance? 
I mean, you've got to let some of these young guys get chances. You just you've got to let it see. You got to see what happens. I think. You, I mean, I think Danny Enzel's now back from injury. He's another really good fielder. See what he gives you. I mean, give other guys chances. You're not going to lose anything. You're not losing anything. So see what you can gain. And if you can't gain anything, then go with Green because he's got given you the fielding. So I will say Jackson Green, Saturday, one for three. Um, and then Sunday, walk twice. The thing about Green is he will take the walks. Like, you don't – like, he will – I mean, I think he's got – what? How many walks does he have? 14. Yeah. He's got 14 walks. I mean, on-base percentage is over 300. Yeah. You know, no extra base hits, but, I mean, I think you're probably going to take the on-base percentage at the bottom of that lineup. But, you know, I think you could get more from a Morales. I mean, just let give guys opportunities to make something happen. And then, like you, I know you're talking about first base. I would like to see Tyler Martin move to DH, and I would like to see Dylan Simmons be an everyday first baseman. Simmons has not had enough chances to make things happen this year. We saw what he did last year. He's got to be given more chances. You can't you can't go away from somebody because of 35 at bats. I mean, what did he do in 16 games last year? Hit three what three twenty something with led the team in doubles. Did this? Did that? Part of why I was so high on this lineup. You can't go away from somebody completely after 35 games. Part of why I was so high on this lineup coming into the year was because of what I thought Simmons would do. And what Simmons showed them in fall and spring was one of the best hitters on this team. You, I think, were when you were covering it, like towards the end of spring. He he, he did not get out. I mean, did not get out. I mean, it's clearly a confidence thing and, and trying to get him mentally right. So... I don't know. You're right. But you're not losing. Why not give him like a chance this weekend? You're not losing anything. So why? What? What is the? What's the downside? And I think we'll talk about it. Georgia Tech projects to start two lefties. Maybe this is your chance to get Dylan in there. And um, I don't know, Brett. Like this year, a couple different times in big moments, uh, Meat has been able has gone to you know giving someone that chance at the plate, and it's paid off. Um, now we can talk about the Virginia Tech series or uh, what Davis Hare did. Um, a couple times at Louisville, there have been some. There have been some times where Meat has made the gutsy call and it's worked. Let's see if Meat does it this weekend with Dylan Simmons at Georgia Tech. I, I think it's a good idea. We've seen what Dylan can do. Like it's it's a good bat. So um, maybe that's the spark the bat the the orders the order and the attack needs this weekend um, in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, the Noles drop five to three. I'm trying to think. There was a couple of other things I wanted to note. Shout out Robbie Martin for the opposite field two run home run. He's been fantastic. Um, yeah, the rain came right after the fifth. It looked like Boston College might want to go home, and it looked like Meat really wanted to stay out there. We understand why. Florida State really needed a win. And, again, you want to talk about the bottom of the seventh? Dang. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at Dylan Simmons' number. I, mean, I can, I can look, I, I have it for you. Yeah, I have it for you. Through 72 at-bats in his career, he's in 292. So – he needs more chances. But yeah. anyway, bottom of seventh inning. Yeah. I mean, a couple more walks. Bases loaded, no outs. I mean, bases loaded, one out. You get the single from Nelly. Um, and then you get nothing from, from Martin and, and Cabell. I think Cabell's was in a full count. Um, it's a changeup, I believe. You just, you got to make. I mean, this pitcher's got six walks in four innings, and you get one run. Yeah. You just, I don't know how that's possible. BC hit a home run in the, I want to say top of the eighth. Stallman, yes. his first hit of the freaking season, <laughs> comes on a 0-0 pitch. Like, 
that kid decided I'm swinging or whatever I look at, and it worked out for him. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Lucas Stallman. I appreciate you. Um, then bottom of the ninth, Knowles get two on, right? Yeah, Nelson was it the eighth, was it the eighth that Florida State got? No, no, no. no yeah, ninth, it was the ninth. Nelson and then yeah. Nelson and um, Martin fly out both. Yeah, you get a couple of walks. I thought for sure Matt Nelson was going to Homer. <laughs> That's just how it feels now. He was two for four in the day. I thought that kid was going to crap his pants on the mound. I'm like, this is not the guy you wanted to face. And then, uh, dang, Robbie just missed another opposite field home run. Like, I could see what he was trying to do, and he lifted it. Um, Top three in the order had four hits, and the rest of the lineup had none. Yeah, bummer. Shout out Connor Grady. Can I do that? Um, I thought he was great. Four and two-thirds. The pitch count got up there, 92. Um, and a lot of that was because your defense let you down a little bit, and he gave up a couple of infield hits, you know, uh, only two earned runs, one walk, seven Ks. Starting pitching, by the way. Your relievers were Scalaro, Haney, Kwiatkowski, Hare. Yep, pretty much what we've come to expect. Um, starting pitching, Brett, this weekend, mm-hmm. four earned runs, three starts. You'll take that. That works. I'm thinking if you get that, you should usually sweep the series. You should. They've They've gotten great pitching all year, and it's – for whatever reason, they just can't close things out, and it's frustrating to watch. The, and close the, games are not going their way. And me keeps me keep saying, right? Like it's going to have to swing our way eventually. Well, obviously, so. it's a good thing you win the series. The reason this game was so big was Florida State would have moved up to fifty in RPI with the win. Instead, they fell to sixty-four. I mean, these games are crucial right now. Like I don't think we even realize how crucial these games are. We are a couple of weeks away. We're a couple weeks away from the host sites being determined. Um, Florida State, three of their next, three of their last four ACC series, I believe, are all on the road, and they're all tough. When you have these opportunities, you've got to take them. You've got to give yourself leverage, and Florida State's just not helping themselves out right now. No, it's been frustrating. No, no doubt. A sweep would have done wonders for FSU. You would have you would have been feeling really good. And it's just because of the way the the way you started the season, you just didn't give yourself any margin for error. Like you needed to be great. And Florida State's been good, good. at times. Yeah. They've been great at moments. I mean, they've been great for a week. Other than that, they've been pretty good. But only being great for a week and pretty good the rest of the season and, and terrible to start puts you at eighteen and fourteen and thirteen and eleven in the ACC. So now you're coming up on some some big opportunities. Like these are these are massive. At Georgia Tech, a top twenty five opponent. At Notre Dame's coming up. Um, at NC State's coming up. So you got your work cut out for you. But we're going to talk about this Georgia Tech game in a minute. I do want to give us the opportunity to listen to C.J. Van Eyck, Florida State's former Friday night ace. Um, Man, he was fun to watch, and this interview is quite hilarious. So um, he was kind enough to join Brett in what was a Zoom slash FaceTime slash behind-the-scenes locker room tour uh, for Brett, and uh, we think you'll enjoy this. First off, CJ, just just how's how's pro ball going? And, uh, you know, I, I know you got to be involved in big league camp somewhat. What was that experience like for you? I was crazy, man. Um, being my first spring training and not really knowing like what I'm gonna get into. Not even my feet aren't even wet yet. And then they just I get a phone call saying I'm going to big league camp. I was kind of taken away by that. But 
I was excited to get out here and you know, you know, show show them what I got. And um, it, it was cool. It was more or less cool to see like the guys off TV and just see how they interact like daily and 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 how they go about their daily business. It was it was great. How, how excited are you to be with the Blue Jays? I know, um, you know, they had just all those renovations in Dunedin and, um, you know, it's pretty close to, to home for you as well. Just how much do you like being in that organization? Oh, yeah, I know. It's absolutely. And here, I'll walk and talk. Can I show you guys the weight room on here if we can? Oh, find my mask. No, it's absolutely incredible. I don't. I forget how, how big the check was they struck for this place, but, dude, it is like, it's, look, just walk, look, look right here, just walking down this little thing. Like you just can't miss that like covered facility with like it says Toronto on it all big. Uh, this is all the locker rooms. Like it's absolutely huge. Oh, it's crazy. If you can't get better here, then then you just suck. That's how it is, I think. Is it is it different than uh the weight room and the field that, that we were that we uh worked down at that one time in the summer? Yeah, yeah, it's a little different than that. <laughs> like this, just, um, you know, going back to your Florida state days, um, just, yeah, what was, I mean, there's a lot of different memories I'm sure for you and a lot of different moments. Just, is there one memory that sticks out for you individually? Uh, beating LSU at LSU. Absolutely. Going to, getting over to go to Omaha with those guys that, you know, grinded a, you know, not so good season with and, you know, clinched it there at the end and, you know, rode it all the way as far as we could. So, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. I don't think. Do you, do you even remember the emotions of that night at all when Mendo walked it off? No, not really, man. I just, uh, uh-uh. no, it's, it's, I mean, not, it's hard to put it into words. It's hard to, like thinking back now, I still can't really, I just, I'm shaking a little bit, just trying to feel it again, but it, it was cool, man. It was really cool. What was it like throwing in those atmospheres? I mean, you threw at Georgia, at LSU and in the college world series, just, does anything compare to that? Like any, like, I, I don't even know how, is there a way to put it into perspective what it's like throwing in those atmospheres? I mean, you just got to rise to, to the occasion, I guess. Like the coaches prepared us for it all year and, and, you know, we, we shouldn't be playing in the ACC if we weren't ready for that to begin with, I think so. But, um, but I, I liked LSU like the most, I think that was the most like intim- intimidating and like in your face, like atmosphere versus Omaha, you know, it was 20,000 fans that I just have Creighton there. I don't, I don't really think they draw a crowd that much, but I could be wrong, but I mean, it's just 25,000 fans or whatever that just appreciate baseball and they're there to just watch baseball. So I think that the, the new, the fans being neutral there was, was cool. was a cool experience too, seeing everybody, but having the neutral, neutral fan base was pretty cool too. I know at UGA, you, you gave a little extra after a few strikeouts, just um, the emotions of that game. It was, I think that was probably the most, in, one of the most intense games of that run, just um, yeah. you know giving their dugout a few extra and you know throwing the way you did how how exciting was that and just you know coming off the mound after that what does it feel like yeah that, that was insane um lj lj tally actually their their second baseman during that series he's he's gonna play second base with me this year um for me this year um we, we were shooting the sit in um the the stretch line the other day about that um but <laughs> those extra strikeouts uh, or i mean those extra um those emotions came from I think the first inning when when he looked in our dugout and was like, "No, nah, you're not going to do that here." I was like, "No, nah, well, we came here to to do what we do." So, so I just kind of had that like chip on my shoulder that whole time during that game. You know, you had opportunities to go, you know, to pro and a high school, but just how happy are the are you that you went to FSU and just what, what was that experience, like the whole experience as a whole, not just baseball, but you know, getting to go to college and all that as well. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. Tra- I wouldn't trade it for anything. Looking back, like I would, I would absolutely go to college one thousand percent, unless it was you know triple the money I got now. Like it's, it's that much of a, a difference. I think it got me better. It got me, you know, closer relationship with like my faith and being around those coaches that are so strong in that, and just building like you know lifelong brothers that I would have never made or it you know got to the next level with. Like I'm playing with Kobe Johnson right now. I play there with. So I mean, it's just cool to like see where everybody goes and just to build the relationships. You know, and you were just talking about the things you learned. I guess just what was the what was the one of the biggest thing? What was the biggest thing you learned at, at Florida State in your in your three years there? Just how to compete and how to be poised. That's what Eleven always said. You know, just compete with like your pose, your stay composed, and and um, you know, just let it go. That 2019 run, I think you know it was kind of an up and down season, but then you guys kind of go on that miracle run. Just um, I guess just what was the, the message in the dugout all the time when you guys kind of knew that it, just the postseason is what matters and, uh, you know, regular season, yeah. end of the day, it's not going to matter as much. Yeah, we just got to get there. That's all I said was just get, we just got to get our foot in the door. We were kind of dragging all year, but the energy was so high. And we knew we just once I got, we got our foot in the door, we could, you know, it's just like March Madness. You know, once you're in, you're in. You can you can get to the top easily. Did it kind of feel to you like just some 11 magic, just the run, just the last year, just, you know, being there for that last year and that whole run. I mean, is there any way to describe just sort of the, the, the way that you guys felt with 11 on the bench? I mean, he, he always told us not, it wasn't about him. It was about us and stuff like that. But I mean, it was definitely in the back of our mind that, you know, we're playing for a living legend and, you know, it's, it's definitely an extra, you know, 5% effort every day. Just, just knowing that, that we all gave, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy that, that we all got to play for a guy like that. No, I think your, um, your last year you had belly with you and you added a slider and you did some other things a little different. And, you know, you're that Friday guy. Just what was it like working with belly for the short time you were there? And, and what do you think he can do at Florida state? Oh, he's great. He's great. I, I liked his, I liked his approach to pitching and I think it's super professional. Like he's coming into this side, the stuff he says is like kind of stuff we're talking about too. So, I mean, I think, he, I think this guy's the limit with him in, in that pitching program. I, I mean, as you see right now, like <laughs> they're nasty right now. Yeah. How, how much do you get to watch this year's team? And just, just what do you think about, um, you know, I know I, th- I think we lead the ACC and, and in basically every single pitching category, what is that like to watch for you? Now? Matt, I think Matt leads in every hitting category too, huh? <laughs> yeah. And Matt wasn't named to the golden spikes award watch list either. A little crazy. That's messed up. <laughs> but no, I've been I've been able to watch on Sunday. I've been able to watch Connor pitch a little bit because those are our lighter days, and I've been able to watch on on week on weeknights. Like I watched that Florida game, that kind of hurt a little bit, but it was cool. And um, we took care of business. Um, Tally, that was that was good. Glad we did that. Yeah, I mean, just being able to get that um, Florida win your last year there, and you know, it's one of the last games that you you get to be at Florida State. Just what does that mean that you know you didn't go winless against Florida in your time there? <laughs> I mean, that's something, I mean, they're, they're, they're nasty every year, but I mean, so are we, it's just something it's, I don't know what it is with Florida, but for my, th- my three years, we could only beat them one time. And I mean, I'm happy we did and I could say we did, but I guess some older guys in the years past can't say that. So I guess it's something to hang your hat on a little bit. You know, to see, to see Chase still there and, and wearing the number 11, just could you think of anybody that deserves it anymore to, to represent a uh, senior? No, I mean, he's about as old as him anyway, so he should wear it. <laughs> No, I'm playing, but no, Chaz, Chaz is a great dude. I mean, he's a great leader. Everyone respects him in the clubhouse and the coaches love him. I mean, he's just the role model and leader that, that you want on your team. So I, I definitely agree with that for sure. You know, me was there your whole time there, but only one year as head coach, just 
what did you what did you feel like was different with me as head coach and, and how confident are you are you and him leading the program moving forward I mean, yeah, absolutely confident. I mean, 11, I mean, it's kind of the same philosophies that, that 11, you know, kind of, kind of grandfathered down to him, if you will. But, um, I mean, I mean, we don't have any rings, but 11, 11 went to the college world series. Um, I don't know how 22 times, right? 20, how many times? 23, whatever, 42 in season. So like, I don't like, we're not like, nothing's wrong. Like the philosophy works and I think meets is going to take, keep, keep winning games and stuff. It's just a matter of time before we get a ring, you know? Do you expect to be as involved as possible moving forward, moving forward with Florida State and just, um, you know, how close are you still with some of these guys in, in contact that are on the team now? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Connor, like, I would say probably twice a month. Just, you know, after, after he pitches or something, I'll call him and, you know, talk about it, talk about how things are going in the team and stuff. But um, I definitely want to be involved. I want to come up there in the fall if they, like, if, like, COVID chills out and, like, they let us, they let us do that. I want to take a few classes and, you know, get, a, get the team to pay for an apartment. I'll just work out there. So that'd be cool and throw bullpens and stuff. So I, I'd enjoy that if they, I'm sure I'll be, they'll let me, but um, I don't know how COVID's going to work and stuff. How cool is it to, you know, see other Florida state guys around and then pro ball and, and, you know, just see guys that you played with, but also just other Florida state guys that are in that same brotherhood as you. I'm sorry. What was the first half of that? Just how how cool is it to see other guys from Florida State in pro ball, and um, you yeah. know, see guys like Mendo, and you know, just other guys that have also played at Florida State, and you know, been a part of that brotherhood that you, that you were in. Oh yeah, it's cool. I feel like we all follow each other, and all all are right there with each other, pulling for each other, and you know, seeing seeing where we go. And I'll probably end up playing playing someone this year. I don't know about well, Taylor Wall is knocking on the door. He'll probably be probably be in the big leagues here soon, but I don't know if I'll play against Mendo this year. I don't really know where he's going, but, or Parrish, I might play against him, but um, no, it's cool. We all, we all, you know, follow each other and then stay, stay in touch. So it, it's cool to see where we all go and, and going to end up one day. Just, I guess, is there anything that, you know, from playing again at Florida state and Dick Hauser, just, um, you know, I know there's a lot of fans that listen to this that followed your career and still follow your career. Just is there any message that you sort of have to them from your time at Florida State? No, oh, thank you. Thank you for, you know, showing up every day and, and being that, those rock for us and animals especially, man. I mean, I don't know if the Dick Hauser would be what it is, you know, without them. So I appreciate y'all and, and the whole Florida State fan base, guys. Well, good luck moving forward, CJ, in pro ball. I appreciate it, bro. All right, so thank you, CJ, for that uh, second-round pick of the Blue Jays. Um, I, I have no doubt that I think CJ will make the pros. Like, I think he will be in the major leagues sooner rather than later. Um, man, it's, it's fun to hear from him. He totally thought you guys were just having, like, a buddy-buddy FaceTime. Oh, yeah. It's just one-on-one -on -one talk. Nobody else is going to hear it. It was amazing. I, I, I laughed there was stuff out loud out multiple times. There was some stuff filtered out, too. Yeah, I let some stuff slide, and um, CJ's personality, I think, deserves some of that to stay in there, um, just so you get the full experience, the Van Eyck experience. Um, but, man, how good was CJ uh, for Florida State? It's, it's been cool to watch him uh, get his opportunity, but he meant a lot it's, to FSU. It's, I mean, Florida State lost a whole season of Van Eyck and Drohan in your rotation. Man, would that have been special and fun to watch. That would have been so much fun to watch. I don't even understand how people like CJ hadn't even been his best yet. And his numbers were like the best, some of the best in the country last year. And he had not been his best. Like he had said multiple times that he hadn't felt his best yet. If you can't get better here, you just suck was maybe my favorite line in that entire interview. 
<laughs> but um, that was really cool, Brett. I thought you did a great job. Um, that's yeah. something that we hope to do more of, right, is to have some former players join the podcast and give their perspective and also uh, a where are they now type of thing. CJ's numbers last year, um, one three one ERA in four starts, 20 innings, uh, 21 innings, 11 hits, 25 Ks. Man. I mean, he was walking. He was walking a good amount of guys. That was the thing he did not like. He was walking a lot of guys. If those walks had gone down, Van Eyck was about to be a first-team All-American. I mean, his stuff that year was it was awesome. It was lights out. Yeah, and he was everything like you wanted, right? As a, as an ace, it was like he was he starting had, to come into his own. He had personality on the mound. He had no problem talking some smack to you in the bull in, in the dugout if you if you felt like chirping at him. Um, he pitched with a swagger, but it was like a calm. It was a calm, cool, collected anger. Yeah. It was That's never, the best way to it was, say it. It was never, like, super out there. It was just just kind of a swagger about him out of the mouth. Okay, but the shoulder shrug that he gave Georgia in the regional uh, after he – that was amazing. It's my favorite gif of all time. <laughs> I could watch that over and over and over again, man. Didn't he say, I think, in the interview, uh, LJ Talley, who was on the Georgia team, like, they've talked about that regional a couple times. Shooting the certain Shooting the certain word – is what is the quote he gave? Shooting the poop. Is that <laughs> is that the word? That he yes. I think he used a different word, but um, yeah, CJ Van Eyck, man, that's an experience. I think that's the best way you can say it. And uh, we wish him all the best as he continues uh, his trek to the major leagues. Uh, we have no doubt you'll make it. And um, I think everyone's proud of him. And and I know you talk about people around the program; they are proud of CJ. And It'll be cool to kind of see him, I think, come three, back up here and, and train. 3-2-1 career ERA in 176 innings with 225 strikeouts. Do you know his blood type? That's pretty dominant. Is that? You have, you have all these stats. Yeah, I, I do know how to use Google. You Thank do? Thank you. Okay. I'm a Google scholar. <laughs> uh, do you know which vaccine he got, Moderna or Pfizer? <laughs> no, we don't know. Okay, gotcha. Brett, Brett Nevitt, the uh, stats guy. In April 2020, he weighed exactly 198 <laughs> pounds. But anyway, good stuff um, from Brett and CJ. And again, we hope to do more of that stuff um, going forward. And, and maybe we'll catch up with a few of your former Knowles. If you actually, if you have a player that you want us to, to catch up with, uh, let us know. Uh, DM it or in the mentions on Twitter or email it to us. And uh, we'll do our best to try and catch up with uh, some of the former greats. FSU has a long list, obviously, of former uh, outstanding players. So um, speaking of former outstanding players, you know, you got James Ramsey. I think he's the hitting coach now for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, led by Danny Hall. And, Brett, why don't we talk about this matchup against GT because it's not going to be an easy one. It's a Georgia Tech team that, on paper, um, if I look at their record, they're 18-14, and 14-10 and 10 in the ACC, very similar to the Seminoles. Um, however, they've only lost two series all year, uh, and they've lost a ton of midweek games, which – Against Florida State on a weekend doesn't really it doesn't pertain. It's not really useful for us because the arms that you throw on a midweek are different than the ones that you throw um, in a weekend. So they have not been good at home. No, they haven't. They've been Seven much better. Nine at home, right? Well, they've had a lot of midweek losses. Mm-hmm. Check out check out some of the midweek losses they have, and you're going to scratch your head at some of the ones that they've they've fallen to. But um, on paper, this is a very good baseball team. Uh, they hit. The heck out of it. 287 as a team. They can hit the long ball, 35 home runs. They get on base. James Ramsey has done a wonderful job of reinvigorating that lineup for Danny Hall. 379 on base percentage as a team. They are one of the best teams in the country at doubles. Uh, They actually, I think, almost double Florida State. I mean, it's like 40% more 
doubles than the Seminoles on the year. Um, some of their weaknesses, they are terrible in the field. Like, FSU is fantastic compared to Georgia Tech in fielding the baseball. Georgia Tech's like 961, almost in the 95 range. And if you're in the 95 range in college baseball, you are garbage. Like, 95 as a team is garbage. So I think Florida State was almost in the nine fours last year. And what was that? <laughs> you want to go ahead and call it? Uh, I don't have words. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have clean fine. words. So five thirty seven team ERA. Um, that's a bit misleading, and we'll talk about that. I'll talk about why. But let's give you a quick Georgia Tech history lesson for those of you who I was just going to say they know. only have one sweep. Like I was, like this. Looking at their record, of the schedule, it's like extremely similar to Florida State, kind of how it's gone. Yeah, they've like been better on the... Just one sweep, but they've won yeah. a lot of series. Like They've been better on the weekends than they have been on the midweek. But anyway, history lesson on Georgia Tech, Brett. Um, really good baseball program uh, under Danny Hall uh, in the 90s. and um, They were known for uh, the gorilla ball uh, for a long time. They want to mash home runs. And some of the names like uh, Nomar, Garcia Parra, um, Mark Teixeira, Jason Veritek, those might be some names that you know of um, in the pros. And um, it's a Georgia Tech program that's very proud. And I think Danny Hall, like, he's at the Mike Martin level where he's towards the end of his career, um, brought in James Ramsey to kind of reinvigorate that offense, and they have. And so um, it's a GTT, it's a GT franchise that I think, you know, a, a program that has been very good in college baseball for a while, and they've always been known for their offense. So this year, not really different. Florida State's going to have to come in and pitch pretty well. well. First of all, thank you to our resident historian, Aria, over here. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, just a really good offense. Um, you know, it comes at you from a lot of different um, ways. Uh, you know, I think they have four guys hitting over 300. Um, you know, seven of, their, seven of their nine starters will hit over 275. I mean, it's, it's just a really good offense. Um, not a super powerful offense. I mean, they got a – they got a handful of guys that can hit homers, but no guy that has really been a, you know, a slugger this year. Um, you know, a couple of guys lead them with six homers. Uh, a couple others have five. Um, and kind of a team that plays small ball, small ball well. Doesn't steal a ton of bases, but just puts the ball in play. You know, single, single, single you to death, kind of. Uh, you know, a team that you've really got to be careful with. Uh, uh, this is one of the, the better offenses you'll face this year, I think. Um, probably second to Louisville and the ACC just because they don't have as much of that, of that power. But, um, you know, a few big names here. You know, Kevin Parada's was kind of that second-rated freshman behind Montgomery coming into the season has really proven why. Catcher um, hitting three fifty four has struggled of late. I think he's four for his last 28. But, um, you know, has been their best player this year. I think he's won ACC Player of the Week a couple times. Um, you know, Trace Gonzalez hitting nearly three forty. Um, Luke Waddell is their leadoff hitter, I believe, and real veteran guy. Um, he's hitting three oh three with um, you know, almost four hundred OBP and four seventy slugs. So um just a lot of guys in this lineup can that can do damage and um it's gonna be a tall task for Florida State's pitching staff this weekend, but as usual I think they'll be up to the task and keep Florida State in these games. Yeah, no doubt. And not to get back to like Georgia Tech and, and what they've done in the past, but Brett, they haven't made a super regional since 2006. Yeah, I believe 19. They were they were a national seed. I believe they were the four seed or three seed, and they lost to Auburn at home. If that's correct, I think you're right. In 2019, they lost in their own regional. That was the Coastal Carolina Auburn. They got walked yeah. off by Auburn 
when and Auburn then, was the home team. Mm-hmm, correct. Um, so that they've been really good um, under Danny Hall. They've been there was people. Okay, so there have been people who complained about Mike Martin Senior, and you know, we're always really good but never great. No, that's Georgia Tech. Uh, I want to <laughs> say that no, Georgia Tech is really good but never really great. So well, well, I wanted to. I just wanted to put that out. Elliot Avent, NC State. Though. Elliot Avent. I know you love Elliot. Avent. Oh my God, dude, that's like the the most overrated coach of all time, and he's annoying. And honestly, it's pretty fun to watch NC State meltdown almost every single year. But hey. Elliot Avent. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, Georgia Tech is known for the team that loses in regionals. Like, that's who they've been. They've been really good regular season team. They hit a lot of home runs, and um, they don't really have a lot of postseason success. So for people who complain that Florida State doesn't have postseason success, it could always be worse. And um, I had to let you get in your, your – I work. did. I just wanted to we also had, – we hadn't, we hadn't had a, an Elliot Avent rant in a little while. Okay, trust me, the people that. who listen to this podcast, the diehards who know Elliot Avent and, and have you've followed FSU videos, program. Uh, you've shown me the videos. Oh, yeah, they, they do not. The FSU fan base is not a huge fan of Elliot Avent. I promise you that. Um, especially after he pretty much accused James Ramsey of being a dirty player. James Ramsey is a saint. Uh, that is a, an FSU golden boy. Like, you don't, that's a golden child. You don't, you don't talk smack about James Ramsey. We love James Ramsey. Um, but yeah, so Jim Morris, by the way, former Miami coach, actually uh, was uh, the head coach of Georgia Tech for um, almost uh, a little over a decade and then went to Miami from there. So they've had some some pedigree. Danny Hall has kept it up, and they've been really good. But um, yeah, there's your history lesson. Sorry oh, I went man. back to it. I know you were you were wanting to talk about specifics and I was stats. Gonna, I was just looking at this. Their starting third baseman has an 860 fielding percentage. Um, they got some, oh, man, this is not... People are like, are you guys going to stay on topic or this is all over the place? No, 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 no. You've done a good job. I I need to focus here on I believe Waddell's shortstop has 947 fielding percentage. Um, Yeah, you're not wrong. They got outfielders with bad fielding percentages. I did not know that was possible. So, yeah. Um, Georgia Tech, as you mentioned, 7-9 and at home. Florida State's been better on the road than at home. So this could be good. Um, (laughs) Parada. Okay, Kevin Parada is a stud, and I actually was talking to one of my good buddies who is going to produce this weekend the the TV series uh, against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. He's a former Florida State graduate, got his start with Seminole Productions, and moved to Atlanta to do um, production for Georgia Tech and and for ACC Network. There, he's a, he's a great friend of mine, and um, we talked to him a little bit. Parada was the number two overall recruit to make it to campus behind one Carson Montgomery. So Parada is like the best hitter to reach college. And he's a stud. Like he's gonna win freshman of the year. Oh yeah. Three fifty four, five homers, twenty two RBIs, thirteen doubles, OBP slugging, you want all of it. He's a good fielder behind the dish. Um I will say in the last eleven games, his average has dropped over seventy percentage points. So that's, that's all but that's thing. gonna happen when you hit four something for So does that mean that he's gonna break back out this weekend against Florida State? I hope not. He's a stud and he and he could get going for them again this weekend and and will them to a victory because he is the spark plug for that offense. And um Georgia Tech's had a had a really good lineage of catchers, by the way. I know I mentioned a couple of them, like Veritech, uh Joey, Joey Bart. Bart. Yeah. Um and Jinx. right before Joey Bart, yeah, Jinx. What's the there was one I, I'm already forgetting it, but there was another one. I know who you're talking about, but oh I can't. Oh my think gosh, about it. it's gonna bother me. I'm sure the fans, you know, listening to this are already yelling it out. Dang, I wish I had it pulled up, and I should have wrote it down. But 
Um, point being, Georgia Tech's been really good. Um, oh, my gosh, the kid who went to the Braves. You're a Braves fan. I know. What am oh, I doing? Oh, man. This they beat is the Yankees tonight. To watch. Three, they, they beat the Yankees tonight. He's stalling so he can try to find it. I know. I don't think I'm going to find it in time. This is tough to watch. This has been, this has been devastating. It's not only is he the Georgia Tech historian, but he's also a, a Braves fan. Dude, I grew up a Georgia Tech baseball fan, too. Like, what am I doing? Uh, this is devastating. All right, folks don't want to hear me ramble and figure out. Um, who this catcher was. It'll come to me. Anyway, um, Parada's a stud. And, folks, uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch or not so fun to watch if you're a, a Knowles fan and, and you don't want him to do well. But they've also got Tres Gonzalez, 339. Um, Luke Waddell, who was really good for a few years, and this year he's not been as good but still solid, 300. Um, North 300, 303 batting average, five homers, 18 RBIs. Jake DeLeo, 301. Um, he's got uh, some extra base hits. Justin Henry Malloy, a Vanderbilt transfer, and Drew Compton, who's been there for a while. Um, no relation to Mike Compton, I don't believe. I believe Malloy will be there, four-hole hitter. Yep. Austin Wilhite is still there. If you remember him when last time Florida State played at Georgia Tech. How long has Wilhite been there? Yeah, he had a brother. Like, they were – I don't know if they were twins, but they played, at, they played on the team at the same time a few years back. And then there's Colin Hall – who is Danny Hall's son, and I was told that Colin was actually down to Florida State and Georgia Tech at a high school, and it was Mike Martin who, I guess, convinced Colin that he should go play for his father. Um, I don't know. That's what I was told, so that's kind of cool, I guess. He's hitting 254 only, though. And then they got Stephen Reed, who has been struggling this year, um, 236 batting average, but they that's like their Elijah Cabell in terms of has like the stupid raw power. He's got four home runs this year. Last year, he was off to a torrid start. Had five home runs in, like, the first 20 games. Was hitting 300. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting sixth in this lineup. He's their DH. A, yeah, he's a big kid. DeLeo and and Will Hyde, who are all hitting much better than him. So, obviously, they're expecting him to break out soon. Right. So, Georgia Tech hits, y'all. And they, they do it, and, and they'll hit some home runs. They'll hit some doubles. They'll, they'll take the walk. They do strike out quite a bit. Um, not as much as Florida State, but, but they do strike out quite a bit. <laughs> And they do get on base. They don't steal a ton of bases, folks. Just 19 of 26 on the year. Not not a ton of running. So I don't think Matt Nelson will be too busy this weekend behind the plate. Yeah, I wouldn't run on Matt Nelson. I mean, that that, that would be my advice to opposing teams. Yeah. So it's closed. Yeah, Georgia Tech just, I want to say, is coming off a series. The um, series win at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech. And they mashed, man. I look at some of these scores. Dude. Georgia Tech can, can put some runs on the board. They've, they've got the ability to really swing the stick. So FSU is going to have to be at its A game. Now, they're pitching. They've got some decent arms. I don't think they have much depth in their um, staff. But Andy Archer is a really good Friday night guy. That's, he's going to match up against Parker Messick uh, uh, pretty well. Archer's our Saturday guy? Herder's their Friday, their Friday guy. Oh, interesting. Isn't Herder the one that's been hurt? No, uh, just no last, pun intended. Just in, last week. No pun intended. Goodness. All right, Brett, I'm going to let you have this one. <laughs> sounds like sounds like I need to pass the baton to you. Yeah, so Herder um, missed his start last week. You don't really know what's going on there, but if he was to start, he'd probably be, probably be their Friday guy. Um, that's what he was for, um, you know, the first eight weeks of the season. Um, lefty that comes... From kind of a weird slot, um, you know, 
he's massive man, six foot six, about two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, just creates weird angles of hitters, weird looks, uh, makes it uncomfortable at bat. Um, you know, has been prone to some contact this year, but he doesn't walk anybody really. Only eleven walks to fifty strikeouts, um, two fifty six average against. Has um, you know, a sweeping slider that's really going to go to that back foot of, of right-handed hitters' um, ankles. I mean, I mean um, you know, it's going to be tough against lefties. Um, you know, three six ERA this year. We don't really know what the situation is with him and if we're going to see him or not. Um, if we see him, I really don't like that matchup for Florida State hitting wise. But um, you know, when you have Messick on the mound, you don't really worry as much about it. I mean, Florida State has faced tougher guys and uh, been been in games still. Um, Andy Archer, who you were mentioning, has been their Saturday guy for the most part. Started on Friday this past week and um, really struggled for kind of the first time this season. Three one nine ERA, two thirty six average against. Um, has one of the best changeups in college baseball, and that could really give Florida State hitters some fits this week because Florida State is very much fastball, um, you know, fastball and spin oriented at the plate where they're taught to look for spin and, um, you know, changeup can kind of throw it off a bit. Um, 236 average against is 18 walks, 48 strikeouts. Um, you know, fastball will probably sit in the low 90s, can reach back for mid 90s. Um, you know, Sam Crawford is their other. Starter that's usually rounds it out on Sundays, lefty guy, uh, four seven five year A has struggled in ACC play, um, two seventy one average against. Don't really know what we'll get from him um, stuff wise, but um, you know hasn't really walked many guys this year. Only twelve walks, but does not really strike out many guys either. Only twenty seven Ks in forty two innings. Um, so, but all these guys seem to stay away from real hard contact. You know, not many homers given up. Um, just. You know, third starter-wise, if if Herter is out, I um, believe Dalton Smith was their starter last Sunday. Um, Marquise Grissom, who was kind of thought to be in the mix coming into the season but was hurt when the season started, came back last week. He could be another guy as it goes, a freshman, really talented kid. Um, so those are a couple of names to keep an eye on if Herter is not um, able to go. Yeah, and Marquise Grissom, the son of former big leaguer Marquise Grissom, so – Goes by the same name, adds a junior. And, um, yeah, you know, good bullpen arms. Zach Zach Maxwell, I believe he has a fastball that can almost reach triple digits. Yeah, Maxwell is the guy for them, that back end arm. Um, yeah, he's got really big stuff. Like, and then, yeah, it's, it's big time. That's it's, crazy. Yeah, 29 Ks in 16 innings. Um, I believe he pairs it with a hard slider, 182 average against, but struggles with command. 19 walks in 16 innings. Oh. I don't think Florida State will love facing him, but I think Florida State, the way they can approach it, the you know swing at what you, I mean swing at what you should swing at, take what you should take, they could give him some trouble. Um, obviously, I think Florida State might have trouble putting the ball in play against him. Um, the other guy that they like to use a lot is Luke Bartnicki, another guy that's a big left-handed pitcher. They've got some big boys on this staff. First of all, a lot of the kids on this staff are big, big. Hefty guys, tall guys. I mean, this staff got guys 6'4", 220. I mean, um, they've got some really big boys on this staff. Um, Bartnicki, 6'3", 240. Um, yeah, they've got some massive men. But uh, Bartnicki will be 95, 96 from the left. Um, big curveball, another good changeup. Um, I struggled this year, though. 6'2", uh, ERA in 15 appearances. Has leads the team with four saves. Him and Maxwell both kind of – work as long relievers while also working as late inning guys where they'll kind of just throw them out there for one game in the weekend and say, 
You know, this is, this is, I mean, starter goes five, you go four. I mean, that's kind of how they use them right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Florida State attacks that, trying to get them to use more than they want because they don't have much depth after that, I don't think. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, none of these guys other than Maxwell, who has a respectable 3.38 ERA, you're going to see, you're going to look at those slates this weekend on TV and be like, man, this guy's ERA is pretty high. This guy's ERA is pretty high. Um, a lot of them give up, man, there are multiple guys that give up huge opposing batting averages. Um, I mean, 268 allowed as a team is Their bullpen's high. not good, folks. Like, let's put that. It's, it's Maxwell and Bartonicki, who has not been phenomenal this season for them. So it's like FSU is going to want to get past the starting pitching, which I think we need to emphasize, if Herder pitches this weekend, has been really good for them. And I think I need to mention, too, um, Andy Archer – before um, the start at Notre Dame on April 10th, had an ERA at the beginning of the month after the, his first his start at Virginia against Virginia of 186. He had an ERA of 186. Through seven stars, right? Yeah, yeah it, he's really good. Like, Archer's going to be tough. And um, it's maybe optimistic for FSU that he struggled against Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, but those were also both on the road. And now he comes home. Um, to pitch in Atlanta. So maybe something to look at and see if, you know, he's struggling on the mound um, in recent form. And um, I don't think anyone cares what he has done. It's what you're doing recently. And maybe Archer is, is slipping up a little bit, but his numbers dictate that he's been very good this season. And likewise for Herter, before his start at Notre Dame, he had put together, I want to say, four straight quality starts, had an ERA of 282. It tells you anything. Notre Dame is pretty good. Well, yeah. The point being, these, these guys two, have real stuff, and their their real first good. two were excellent. Um, and Sam Crawford actually last year was a bullpen guy for them and was excellent. Um, the Bart Nicky kid was a starter for them last year and was was solid for them. Um, so uh, the Crawford kid's the one you want to try and get to. I think if you can, um, he's not gone more than ninety five pitches all year, and that was at Virginia Tech. So. Um, I think Crawford's a lefty and Herter's a lefty. I believe, yes. yeah. And you said Bart Nicky is a lift is a lefty yeah, as well. The pen. Um, so we'll see if they go to Dalton Smith or Marquise Grissom Jr., who um, could potentially, I guess, get a couple innings as like an opener on Sunday. But Archer's their guy. Smith uh, is also a lefty. Dalton Smith. Yeah. Who did they go with? You said last weekend when Smith Herter, was their Sunday starter last week. Who went Friday when Herter was not? available was that did archer go first yeah okay so i guess keep an eye out if brant herter is announced as a starter this week because he has not pitched since april 9th against notre dame on the road um and he got hit pretty hard there but he also went into the seventh so i also wonder i should look at that box score if it was one of those where they got to him late in the game or if it was one of those where georgia tech needed him to eat innings no matter what um but yeah all right, so I think we've broken down Georgia Tech pretty good. Give me some keys this weekend for you to see Florida State come away with a series win. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty repetitive, but it is what this Florida State team is. Just play clean defense and make the productive ounce. That's all I've got. Mine's also with you on the, on the defense. I'd like to see a Reese Albert home run. Yeah. I projected defensively if Florida State finishes the year above – 970 that they would make Omaha. Um, currently, they are not there. So 
take it with what you will. They have defensively not been great over the last couple weeks. So I believe Florida State's made an error in eight straight games. Yeah, and after a while, they weren't making errors for a number of contests Correct. in a row. So um, my other one is I want to see some home runs as well. I, I think there will be some this weekend from FSU. That's uh, Georgia pretty Tech sh- Park, I believe. Sure it's a launch pad. It, no, yeah, it, it plays especially to, I want to say, left field. You can get it out of there in a hurry. It is a f- hitter-friendly ballpark. So, um, yeah, I think you'll see some offense this weekend. And I think Brett and I are trying to get up there to try and uh, watch a couple of those games if we can and um, hope to have you some some coverage from there. But you want to give me a prediction on on what you think will happen? I'll take Florida State 2 out of 3. Okay. I have picked Florida State in every series so far this year. I think this will be the first one that I pick the opposing team. I think I got Georgia Tech twice. I, I expect one of those games to be kind of a, a gorilla ball mash fest but yeah. by both teams that ends like Georgia Tech 13 to 10 or something crazy. But Boy, um, that would be frustrating. It would be. I think I got Florida State on Friday, and then I think Saturday and Sunday are going to be annoying. I don't, I, I don't know. But we'll I don't see Florida State. My thing is Florida State's pitching gets like that when they're giving up homers, and I don't see this Georgia Tech staff. I mean, I don't see this Georgia Tech lineup hitting that many homers against Florida State. Maybe, yeah, maybe it could happen a gorilla ball game, but I think a lot of that would have to do with Florida State's defense. Something that could be beneficial, the last time they were at home um, for a series was Virginia. The Cavs took two out of three, which, by the way, UVA starting to play better, folks. I remember saying that on the podcast, on one of the old podcasts, that they would get, they would figure it out because UVA's got a lot of experience. Um, but the last time Georgia Tech was at home, UVA beat them two out of three, and on Saturday and Sunday, VT, uh, excuse me, UVA didn't score more than four runs. So that's another pitching staff that you and I have been high on in terms of what they can offer. So maybe uh, maybe some good news for the Florida State's pitching that they can keep I'll this say, Georgia Tech lineup at bay. Georgia Tech, when an opponent hits zero home runs, twelve and one, when they hit one and more, they're six and thirteen. So Florida State can get some homers this week, which I think they do, because that's what they do. I think Florida State has a good chance to to win some ball games. Yeah, I'm looking also more at these these scores in Georgia Tech against Notre Dame. Scored nine on uh, nine on Friday against Notre Dame, but scored only two runs the next two days. When opponents make two or more errors, Georgia Tech seven and one. Other than that, they are eleven and thirteen. So Florida State can just play some clean defense. I think you win this series. Am I confident they play in clean defense? No comment. Okay. So Brett's got two of three Florida State. I got Georgia Tech two of three. Trying to switch it up. Maybe it'll work uh, in our favor uh, this time around. But, all right, we expect Florida State to to go with the same rotation. My one other key is score first because Georgia Tech's three and 12 when the opponent scores first. And I believe Florida State – I believe Florida State's like 13-1 and one when they score first. And when they don't score first, it's not pretty. Yeah, I think um, well, game time's 7.30 on Friday, oh. 4 o'clock Saturday, and I want to say 1 o'clock Sunday. I believe so, yes. All three games are ACC Network Extra, unless one of them gets picked up by National um, Linear, um, you know, kind of spur of the moment type of thing, which the network can do. So, yeah. Georgia Tech, Florida State, it should be uh, a lot of fun. 
it's a Georgia Tech program, Brett, that you know I, I, I know decently well. Matter of fact, like last year, funny story before we go, was it's really not that funny at all. It's um, sad. It's really sad. So Georgia Tech, uh, the weekend that, the, that COVID hit the sports world and everything started shutting down, they were coming down to Tallahassee, and I was actually going to fill in as their radio play-by-play guy for three games here in Tallahassee for the, for the Yellow Jackets. And Danny Hall and I are on the phone together, and on that Thursday, they're supposed to come down, and he goes, Ario, we're turning the bus around. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean you're turning the bus around? And he goes, they're told, they've told us that this series isn't happening. We're turning the bus. They had already packed up the bus, were ready to go, had started the drive to when they got a call that said, turn your bus around. And that was like one of the dominoes that I remember of my life of just like everything started to shut down. I think it was, I think it was Thursday afternoon um, that day. I think I... I think I took a nap. I think I took a nap at like two o'clock. I woke up like three hours later and the calls World Series had been canceled. And I was just like, this was the worst nap of my life. Is this am I still am I still is this a nightmare or what is going on right now? Was Thursday the day that Florida State and Clemson ACC men's basketball got I believe so. It was a Thursday, right? So all of this happens, I wanted to make sure, in 30 minutes. I get a call from Danny Hall that they're going home and you're not calling this baseball weekend on radio. Great opportunity, right? To be on the airwaves of, of in Atlanta, huge, huge opportunity. And also I'm watching Florida state who's having the best basketball season they've had maybe ever have their ACC tournament canceled. I'm talking depression with a capital D man. Like I did not want to be spoken to for like definitely not the rest of the day. But I was, I was done. Like, it was one of those. And, you know, we're telling each other things like, ah, oh, COVID will only last like a month. Maybe this will be two. Maybe it'll be two months. You remember that? Like, those conversations of like, well, they, I could, remember, still, I remember, they could still have Omaha. I remember thinking, awesome, two weeks off of school. <laughs> like, two weeks out of the classrooms. Like, Boy, we had no it was like, it was like, my friends and I were like begging for them to cancel, cancel classes. And then all of a sudden, everything was canceled. What a weird time. I just, we were wrong. We were so wrong about the COVID thing. So anyway, that's the story time. It's really not a great story, but it is one that it starts relates. it off. Well, this is a funny story. Yeah. And then immediately not that funny. It at just all. goes downhill. It just goes downhill. Yeah. Train wreck. But anyway, uh, we do appreciate you guys listening. Um, you guys have been great to us and, and we hope that you guys have enjoyed this podcast and, and all the other episodes prior. Um, Brett and I have tried to, to keep it real with you guys to shoot you straight, but also stay optimistic because I think we both like this Florida State baseball team quite a bit and, and what it can do um, come postseason time. So if you like this podcast, please give us five stars um, on Apple Pods. Uh, we love seeing that, uh, looking on there and, and reading your reviews. If you could leave us a review and Make sure to email us if you have comments or questions or concerns. Let us know if there's anything you think we could do better, things that you want this podcast to include, uh, more of, less of. Um, we're here to and, and open to suggestions. Brett and I typically just have a lot of fun doing these, and, and both of us love baseball. And um, Yeah, we do appreciate you. We're on Spotify as well, if that's where you get your podcast, and, and Google Pods as well. So hoping uh, Florida State comes away with a big victory. Brett, anything you want to add before we say goodbye? I'm good. I'm good to go. All right. Well, until we chat with you early next week, thanks again to CJ Van Eyck for joining us on Sunday Golds, and we appreciate your listenership. Talk to you soon.